There it is. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Ever wonder hey, hey. what happens when the market change? Buyers change. What happens? Sellers change. Let's find out how we make a change. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros! All right, we obviously need to work on the timing on that one. Yeah, yeah, we'll get better on that. We're, we're online, getting good for a little bit there. We're getting good for a little bit there, but it's all good. Well... Uh, before we go any further, let me give this intro really quick. Is it just me or are people spending money differently this way? And not just because of COVID. Today's guest brings, a what he, brings us what he calls the mongrel method, sales and marketing for a new breed of buyers. Hang out with us today while we learn from an expert and Amazon best-selling author about the digital transformation, especially now, and its impact on sales and marketing. This is sure to provide you with exceptional value and education. So without further ado, give a warm Business Bros Pod welcome to Steve DiMamio. Oh, that's what we need. We need an applause track. We do need an applause (laughs) track. That's right. Oh, man. That's the next one. All right. Add it to the list. Mark it down. All right, Steve. uh, Welcome to the program. Tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. Yeah. So um, aren't we living and breathing the digital transformation right now? Uh, So I'm the author of a book called The Mongrel Method. and uh, I'm also a director of uh, Hostopia in Australia. So, you know, we look after about 150,000 small businesses, uh, help them make the, or be successful online. So I do a fair bit of sales and marketing training and consulting as well. Yep. So you help them uh, get their sales done online, you said. How yeah, long has yeah. so, your company shifted in that direction? Sorry, say again? How long has your company been working on the online sales section? Uh, look, for a long time. I think, you know, over the last five years, we've seen this significant shift from, uh, you know, salespeople out knocking on doors and making cold calls or trying to warm calls up to dealing with a buyer now that's 70% of the way through their purchasing decision before they even talk to a salesperson. So, you know, I think we're living and breathing it right now where, uh, you know, we can't be out making sales calls and people are doing that research and discovering all about um, solving their problem or gaining a benefit of what they're looking to buy online, uh, looking at forums and other places where they're getting that third party or, you know, social confirmation of they're headed, you know, down the right path and this product or service will solve that problem for them. And, uh, you know, I think that's accelerated it for a lot of businesses who are now feeling the pain of having salespeople locked up inside and relying on their website and their other online channels to engage with buyers for them. So it's 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 crazy because um, your your book kind of talks about it a little bit where you come from a time when it was all about door knocking, all about picking up the phone, all about making that first initial contact. Then you started to shift 
and you started to do things online, which was, you know, a big push. And we were doing a lot of things online. Um, and then all of a sudden, about eight weeks ago, we hit into this whole new era of everybody's at home. They're all stuck at home there. Now it's almost 100% of almost everything you do shopping online because you don't want to be in contact with other people. Uh, how is this affecting your, your strategy, your marketing strategy when you consult with businesses? Yeah, well, I think it, for a lot of people, it's accelerated it. And it depends where they are through that journey. So if they've accepted that this is where it was going and started to move marketing more to the front and centre, and that's the engine that drives things to the salespeople, they've survived reasonably well over the last you know, two months. For those who have been, you know, marketing's been this adjunct that looked after advertising and events, those sort of things, those companies are really struggling because the machine is not generating new business. Um, you know, and I've even gone a step further and I've always said, you know, it needs to be mobile-led. It needs to be about a small screen, um, not a desktop. You know, it intrigues me that, you know, everybody gets up and what's the first thing they do in the morning? They pick up a mobile phone and they often will end the day with a mobile phone looking at that small screen Yet when it comes to building their e-com, their website, talking to their customers, they'll design it around a big screen. And uh, But they know themselves that it's all about a small screen. It really needs to be about mobile first. And if you're designing that marketing lead generation piece and you're not doing it around that small screen, you're immediately got a problem. So are, are you saying essentially that that the way we used to do business before is is gone like there's no more uh retail shopping i mean it, that's going to be going pretty much out the window what's going to happen to our malls and and places where i used to hang out when i was a kid are all those things just gone i wouldn't say they're gone because there's the whole experience thing going on amongst all of that you know we all want to get out of the house we all want to interact with people we want to have a conversation and learn things and touch and feel and those sort of things but the difference now is we're turning up and we're, as I said before, we're 70% away through that journey. We've got these views and biases and our heads full of opinions as a result of all of that market research we've, we've done. We've screwed, scrolled through Facebook and the relevant pages that, you know, those groups where people are chatting about those things we're making a decision about. And by the time we walk into that shop, you know, unless the salesperson that we're standing in front of us is helping us complete that journey and enable that sale, um, they're just fighting against everything that we've already decided before we walk into the store. So in other words, uh, there is a possibility for them to survive. There's just a different type of model that they're going to have to have to structure. So in business, um, I've I've come to the conclusion with uh, with many people that I've talked to. It's not really that they have when it comes to sales process. It's not really that they have a lead generation problem. Most people have a lead follow up problem. Uh, we can make that initial connection. We can make that initial interview. Maybe even you know have that cup of coffee or whatever it's going to be. But we fall off in sales usually after the, after the fact. We assume now that we've made a connection, you know what I do, I know what you do, you're going to send me all the business that I need, I'm going to send you all the business that you need, and it doesn't always work that way. 
how how have how have you seen or what are you guys doing to help people get through that follow up process in a new in a newer way in a new marketing uh, environment? Yeah, so I, I think you're onto something there. Salespeople give up way too soon. You know, they'll make a couple of contacts and the person may not be ready yet, and they'll let it go and they'll move on to the next hot lead that marketing might have. Survived. That's good. One less thing. <laughs> so I think uh, yes. Salespeople need to you know, be persistent, keep following up, um, and there needs to be a compelling reason as why they drop it. But they also need to get marketing and build this, um, I guess, lead follow-up and this machine that keeps those leads warm and engaged. So a lot of people use marketing just simply to attract a lead in, but there's also those people who are just not there yet. You know, they're 30% of the way in the journey. And I talk about customer intent. You need to be looking for customer intent. What are those things that the customer needs to do to show they're actually in the final stages of that purchasing decision? Now, that'll vary depending on the type of product or service that you offer. But, you know, if you're selling home kitchens and permits need to be you know, sought, building permits need to be supported in your area beforehand, and the customer's not done that, not invested in that, they're not about to buy your shiny new kitchen. Um, they might be in those very early stages. Now, I'd argue that in that scenario, um, you don't. The salesperson doesn't forget about them. Um, you use your marketing tools to keep them engaged, and you'd be, you know, supplying them um, good, relevant content to help them complete that purchase. The salesperson might be touching base with them every now and then, but. Salespeople need to do a lot more follow-up and marketing also needs to be that mechanism to keep those um, early leads that are, that are warm, but they're not ready to make a purchasing decision, still engage with your business. They're like so close to getting it done. And oftentimes it's funny because I think in a group, they're talking about how good of a salesperson they are, how many uh, leads they met. They met this new person, this new client, and yet like they don't actually close the deal all the way. You know what I mean? It's just sitting there. Dude almost had you. Like exactly. Like I, they almost had the deal, but it slips through their fingertips. And the most upsetting thing that you find out when you talk to an to why well, we talk to agent real estate agents, insurance agents a lot. The most upsetting upsetting thing is you have you make that initial contact, you realize that you haven't followed up, and then it turns out that they close the deal, right? That somebody they purchased the house with somebody else, or they purchased the insurance with somebody else, and you know you were one of the first initial contacts. How do you like them apples? Yeah, exactly. How you like them apples? And and you always turn around and and you you get upset at the outside situation rather than looking internal at well, what did I do? Where what mistake did I make? Did I did I come in asking how I could help them? What values or what did I not supply them? Oftentimes, no is just not the no like n o. It's the n o w like the client just doesn't know enough information to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that's where the salesperson's got to learn to get persistent. Um, not persistent and annoying, but engaged and keep being engaged. And if they don't know, what is it they don't know? And what have you got in your briefcase, in, in your content folder that might help them pro progress down that path? And, you know, you know, I do all sorts of things to keep people engaged. I might see relevant content 
online newspapers, anything like that, that just that might be useful to them, and I'll share that with them, and that'll keep me top of mind. It'll show that I'm engaged with the things that they're thinking about that matters to them, that shows that I'm tuned into their problem. And those little things um, often will just keep things in, keep you engaged with that customer without becoming that annoying salesperson that rings up and just says, hey, I'm following up, are you ready to make a decision? They're the people that you drop and you move on to the next supplier. Oh yeah, totally. You you don't yeah. If you're the type of person who constantly calls and just says, "Hey, I'm following up. Are you ready to buy?" Hey, you following up? Are you, are you ready to buy? Your sales career will be. That's the end of it. That's the end of it right there. That's right? exactly it. But every single time you talk to a client, uh, regardless of whether they're ready to buy, if you're coming at this situation with a with a value proposition, something that that may not be the exact thing that they're looking for, but you're bringing them something of value each time. Uh, you facilitate a relationship where they may not buy from you, but they may be a referral source. So there's there's an opportunity there at some point in the future that a deal can happen. So you're telling me there's a chance. And that's that's yeah. right. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, don't burn bridges. Um, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and, you know, you may not get this deal, but like I said, um, referrals, you know, a very long time ago, I used to be um, in the rag trade. And what I found was um, people in that stage of buying you know, those, those suits, um, so were all of their colleagues and friends and those sort of things. And most business came from referral. And some people would walk in, um, wouldn't buy anything didn't want to spend the money, didn't like the style or whatever, but their friends, um, they knew would suit what I had on offer and they'd send send them in. So, you know, we wouldn't get upset that we didn't do a deal with that person on that day, they didn't buy something from us. It didn't suit them, but they certainly knew their friends and colleagues that we did suit and would send them our way. funny how that that's what ends up happening right it's it's amazing how that constant communication can take uh your business to a whole different level and i think that's a lot of times where where people fall short is in nurturing that circle of influence that you already have so i'm i'm gonna ask you because i'm curious about this um now that we have a, a more of a modern age of trying to stay in front of that client and, and, and having a sense of how do I continue to follow up and stay relevant with my circle of influence, um, I've come across podcasting as one of the most amazing tools that I've ever come across when it comes to meeting new people, <clears throat> um, prospecting, honestly, because I can pretty much ask anybody, hey, I have a podcast, would you like to be on my show? And they all say yes. Very few people say no versus when I would knock on doors or you know, even at an open house asking the same type of question, hey, can I sit down and talk to you? Most of them say no, right? It's a complete opposite effect. Um, I take my long form content, I chop it up into smaller pieces and I repurpose it on my social media platforms so that people are constantly seeing more of what I have to offer. And I also compile an email list of people who uh, want to be part of our network, people who have been on our show, uh, people who are just interested in the different products that, we, uh, that we've put together. And it's become a great way using technology today to stay in front of the client. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Exactly. And, and so 
you know, I was I was kind of wondering uh, what your thoughts were on the podcasting space and how it could help uh, one promote their business or market their business. Yeah, so look, I think podcasting is where it's at. Um, you know, uh, I don't run a podcast because there's some real discipline and you know, consistency required around it. Um, you know, my book sales go up and down depending on uh, you know how recently the last podcast was. Uh, when people are looking to um, get me to look at a piece of work, um, you know, they're obviously Googling, uh, you know, what I'm saying around sales and marketing and those podcasts come up. So, you know, podcasts is where it's at. Um, you know, radio, TV, they're all dead. You know, people are sitting on public transport, probably less so today, but they're all listening to podcasts. Everybody wants content on demand and podcasts are a great way to do it. So uh, using that, that uh, the podcast content strategy, is it a method that you're recommending uh, any of your clients along the way to establish a brand and then really set it into play with their audience? You know, brand building is not the easiest thing to do. You look at established brands like Nike or Snickers or whatever those big brands are, uh, and and they're huge. They spend a ton of money staying in front of people all the time. Yeah. And one of the things I, I, I like to to kind of redefine is what an influencer is today. Right. We think of an influencer and we think of somebody who has a million followers and you know all this kind of stuff. But you or I are an influencer amongst our own small sphere. Whether it's you know the hundred people we talk to the most, the fifty people we talk to the most, we are an influence in what it is that they think and what they see and how they how they uh, what perspectives they have in the world, and the more content that you create to put out that is focused on your message, that is focused on what it is that you do, the better it is for your business. I mean, I don't know about you, but in your circle of influence, your 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 close friends and family, you might know what it is they do in general, but you might not know exactly what they do unless they're the few people who actually tell you. Isn't that the case? Yep. Yeah, you know, the big issue when you're buying a service is, you know, who do you select? Who do you trust to deliver the best value? And, you know, today you get online and you look for their content. Do you relate to what they're offering? Do you believe their content? Do they sound knowledgeable? Do they have some sort of domain expertise? Podcasting, YouTube, all of those sort of things, uh, you know, perfect channels to demonstrate that. And I think a lot of people these days are looking for that you know, social confirmation um, before they make a decision as to which supplier they, or provider they go with. All right, let me ask you this then. Uh, <clears throat> People have been uh, affected by this whole COVID situation, whether it is that whether it was something like they lost their job or uh, they had to let go of employees or they're downsizing and working from home, whatever the situation is. In most cases, uh, budgets have been cut and constrained and, and, and people have been you know, pulling back on the on the spend. Oftentimes they pull back on marketing uh, and it always worries me when companies during down markets pull back on their marketing because this is when you should actually be doubling down yeah. uh, and and kind of getting more exposure and focusing more on revenue rather than cutting costs. What is it that you're seeing uh, with the businesses that you speak to? What what advice are you giving them? 
Yeah, so at the moment, you're right, a lot of people are chopping marketing. So marketing and R&D or product development, or if you're in a service content development, this is the time to double down on it. And the wonderful thing is Facebook advertising, Google um, advertising, the pricing's collapsed. For, you know, keywords, a lot of, are down, you know, 30 and 50%. So you're getting sensational value at the moment. And they're only down because all your competitors have gone away. So, you know, if you've got a business that, you know, you've struggled to get some penetration, um, now's the time because your competitors are turned off the tap and you're actually getting great value for your marketing dollar right now. That's great information to know because that really pushes my whole agenda, which is you should have a podcast. Like if you are starting a business, I don't know how many times. Today, Junior. Yes, you need to start having a podcast. I wouldn't even go with today. You need to have started yesterday. This is your opportunity right now where you can be creating content. You can be repurposing the content. You can be sticking it and paying for small boosts or Facebook ads and target your own groups or whatever it is. Make create lookalike audiences with your with your email list and all these all these different sorts of marketing campaigns to push. Uh, your customers in the direction of, of where you want them to go into a funnel, into your email campaigns, whatever it's going to be. But right now is the time to be putting out content. And for me, using this, this interview process, it, it does twofold. A, I, I meet somebody new every single day, right? I, I've never met you before, Steve, ever until today <laughs> in person. But now we're associated. If I needed help or I needed you know, to reach out, I have now made and established this connection. Second, you have knowledge of years of experience that you're not only sharing with me, you're sharing with the audience. And that's that's a tremendous uh, point of view. And then I can repurpose this and bring it to more and more people that have yet to see uh, the Business Bros podcast or have yet to connect with you. So it's, it's a huge opportunity and it's very, very inexpensive to get started. Yeah, well, it's and a great time to be promoting it as well right now while all that um, advertising so much cheaper. Oh, 100%. Whoops, playing with the cameras here. This one. There we go. Yeah, so um, so tell me a little bit about your experience in writing a book. I Over this last, uh, you know, I don't know, when COVID started about eight weeks ago, uh, I sat down and started writing out my process for podcasting, and I ended up becoming my book, my ebook called The Power of Podcasting. It's what I'm helping people develop their own podcast. But it's helped me become a better podcaster because I yeah. literally wrote out every single one of my steps. Tell me yep. a little bit about your process in, in writing your book. How did it help you in your career? Yeah, well, like you, I found that I became better at, at sales and marketing by actually going through the discipline of writing the book. So, you know, over your career, you find, you know, I had a collection of great stories that, you know, when I would speak, um, people would go, you know, they'd recall a story and I'd get all these little snippets uh, and, you know, occasionally I'd remember them and sometimes I'd walk out and go, oh, I should have, you know, um, made this point. But actually going through the discipline of writing the book um, cemented it in my mind and gave me it together as a complete collection. Now, writing a book is hard work and it requires some discipline, um, not some lots, uh, to sit down and start it uh, and get it finished and get it published 
you know, anybody who's been through the exercise will tell you it's a big effort. But certainly, you know, like your marketing campaign or your sales campaign, it needs a process and you need to get clear on that process and follow it. Um, for me, it was about making sure, you know, we were clear on the theme and the outline and then building that out. And, uh, you know, having a time frame around it, we're going to get it done by this date and focus on, on actually um, getting it done and then making sure that, you know, you've told everybody you're going to get it done by this date and having some support around you. And for me, that was an editor that, you know, said, yeah, no, this is rubbish. We need to do this. I don't understand that. We need to get clear around the message here. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you're going to write a book, um, make sure you're up for the discipline. You know, it's funny that you talk about that discipline because I, I, uh, I am one of these. My only skill, my only superhero uh, skill that I think I have is uh, when I say I'm going to do something, I commit to it, and I do it on a regular basis. So, you know, when I said I'm going to get up and run every morning, well, I've been doing it for I don't know quite a long time. I get up at 4:30 every morning. I'm, I start running by 5 in 5 a.m. and I do it. And I and there's times where I don't want to. Do or do not. There is no try. I still get out there and do it, right? Do or do not, exactly like Yoda. And when it comes down to writing the book, that was one thing that I would do is is the first thing I would do after you know I'm showered when I sit down at my desk was I had to pump out a page or two or whatever it is of the yeah. of the book that I was writing. I was determined to get it done. So it was that one thing that I put on my plate to get done. Uh, and and, and uh, for me, you know, developing the, a lot of these habits has been one small habit at a time. So yeah, I right. still do my run. And now in the morning, I'm like, look, I need to get better at um, following up with my people and, and staying in contact. I need to make sure I write an email blast that I goes out to, to my email list every single day. So it's the first thing I do. And then after that, I have to create my piece of content that's going to go on social media. And it's, it's just having these little things. They're not super time consuming. I just don't always want to do them. It's like going for a run. I don't yeah. want to go for the run. But I know that it's part of my process. And if I can get through the process, I will achieve the result that I want to achieve. Losers yeah. always whine about their best. <laughs> yeah. So whether it's writing a book or going for a run, it's about yeah, chunking it down and at least getting started. And for me, you know, sometimes I was thinking, you know, I'm never going to write, you know, in this case, it was 30 odd thousand words. But, you know, those mornings where I didn't want to do it, I at least sit down and knock out a page. And that page might go away, um, you know, in six months' time because the editor said, hey, that's complete rubbish. But at least set me up for the next morning to get up and on the next morning I might knock out 600 words. But it was just forming your habit and having the discipline. And it's exactly the same in sales. You've got to have that habit of, of chasing the business and following up leads and being clear about what you need to achieve and just getting it done. And sometimes you might do a small amount and other days you might be in the flow and do three times amount. But there's no point in saying, hey, I'm not in the mood today, I'm going to do zero because that sets you up to failure down the track. And, and that's the thing about, about business too. There are some very successful uh, business owners, entrepreneur people out there that are not very smart. It's not that they have super genius skills. 
what they've learned is to master their time and to always be taking a step forward. It's the whole, you know, tortoise in the hair race, right? It doesn't matter if you're flying by, if you're consistently moving in a forward direction, you're gaining distance over your competition who's standing still. And that's always, you know, one of those big, uh, you know, monumentous thing, you know, huge thoughts in my head is, even if I only wrote one page like you were talking about, or even if I only wrote my one email today and that's all I did, I still moved forward today. And yeah. that is, that is where the progress is. This is where the, you know, love the process. You know, I don't like running or I don't like typing the email. It's not my favorite thing to do, but it's my process. And because I take a step every day, I'm going to achieve a level of success that my competition won't because they don't take those necessary steps. Not because they're better than me or not because I'm better than them. It's just I'm willing to take that step when they're not. Yeah, look, I agree 100% with that. You know, we hear a lot about, you know, knowledge is power and knowledge is wealth. I would argue today that that's not the case. The knowledge is out there. You can get on Google. You can find the answer. The power and the money is actually in execution today. 100% agree. The execution is key and it's not going to work every single time. There's, there's going to be times where, you know, you make mistakes, you fail, but again, it's, it's that moving forward in that right direction. That's going to get you there. You, there is no guarantee. There's no hundred percent guarantee. 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> exactly. 60% but, yeah, of the time works every time. Gonna, yeah. At least give yourself that 60%. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's like anybody in business, you know, they would say, you know, looking back at what's worked for them over the last, you know, couple of years, it's, you know, it's those 20% 20 of the moves that have actually created real value and the other stuff hasn't worked. It's been a failure. Uh, You know, in our business, um, testing is a big part of it. You know, A-B testing, we do it all the time. And, you know, we expect that half it's not going to be you know, half it's not going to work, um, but we find those little nuggets that work and actually give us a great result. Um, we don't sit around and go, no, no, that's a dumb idea. That may not work. We just go, hey, that's an idea and try it out and test it and expect that a lot of stuff will fail. Um, that's the nature of online marketing today. For a few hundred dollars, you can try stuff and you can start to get a sense in, you know, a couple of hours, a couple of days, if you're on the right track. And if it doesn't work, you kill it off. You know, the old school stuff was, um, I've come up with a strategy, it's the right strategy, we're all headfirst into it. And you get way down the track and you've worked out, well, in fact, it didn't work. It was a dead set loser. Um, Today, it's really easy to take those small little steps forward invest a little bit and try and if it doesn't work knock it on the head and try plan b um you know businesses need to be doing a lot more of that testing um you know a b testing you know alternative options around their marketing well that's the thing right is you have an idea you don't know if it's going to work or not you have to let the market decide right put your idea out there and let the market decide and and it goes back to my whole thing. You can have a podcast. I hear people all the time. Well, I don't I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be on camera or I don't like the sound of my voice. But it's not about you. It's about you have a message, you have a skill set, you have a passion that you that you can express to other people and let other people decide 
if what they like about you is true or not. It's not up to you to judge. You're your biggest critic of all time. And if you if you continuously critique yourself before you take action, you're never going to go anywhere. You're never going to yeah. get to that spot. It's funny. I can, you know, remember a few distinct occasions where, you know, we've been sitting around trying to come up with a campaign and uh, somebody put something on the table and there's this eye roll that happens around the table and everybody sort of thinks, that sounds bloody stupid. Um, but in fact, but, you know, the deal is we test it and, you know, we've been really surprised sometimes about what's worked. And you're right, the market's decided that this is the message, this is the problem we need to solve. We're going with that. But, you know, in our little sheltered world, um, and we're not out buying it, we're just supplying, we've got these biases and our own opinions around it. But just by testing things, we've discovered some um, great insights around the solution and what the market's looking for. The market. You got your victory dance. Well, I got it right here. Yeah. That's right. The market will decide whether or not your your product is worth buying, and if it is, show me the money. <laughs> all right, that's what it's all about. Uh, Steve, hey man, thank you very much for coming on the show. I always enjoy talking marketing with people. Uh, is there any last minute stuff you want to let uh, let our audience know? Uh, we've been popping your uh, your book here. You can get it on Amazon. But anything else? No, I think we've covered a bit of ground today, guys. It's been great chatting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, thank you very much. And just, just so you guys know, uh, I don't think we said it, uh, Steve's in Australia. So technically it's Tuesday. He knows what's going to happen in the future, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, that's the way it works. He told, yeah. He, he told us he's going to buy a lotto ticket for us and let us know what the numbers are. So that hopefully that works out. All right, Steven, thank you very much for, uh, coming on the program. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Have a good one. That's all we Great. got for you guys, lady. Guys, thanks. Have a good Ladies day. Gents, peace. See ya. Bye-bye. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.